0: Escape Pod, 289.
1: April 21st, 2011.
2: Flash Fiction Special.
1: Hello fans of fiction, I'm your Escape Pod producer, Matt Weller, and that music you're hearing could mean only one thing, this is a Flash episode. Now before you start running for brain bleach and something with which to gouge out your eyes, I can promise you my clothes are staying on. Rather, uh, what I will be flashing your way today is a group of honorable mentions from the Flash Fiction Contest held in the Escape Pod forums. For the uninitiated, flash fiction is short form storytelling with a word limit, in this case stories could not exceed 500 words. There are a number of brilliant pieces submitted this year, and you're really missing out if you don't go drop by the forums and read all of them. Unfortunately, that much good stuff means a lot gets cut before the top three are decided. Fortunately for you, we're using this episode to showcase three of them. As you can probably guess, flash is about brevity, so let me waste no more of your time. First, we're going to dive into the realm of 1950s pulp sci-fi with episode 37, Captain Max Stone vs. Destructobot by Angela Lee. We're going to follow that with a misguided time travel tale, Many Mistakes All Out of Order by M.C. Wagner, and conclude with a combination of the other two and a pulpy story of dimensional terrorism, Mr. Omega by Arnold Gardner.
2: Episode 37, Captain Max Stone vs. Destructobot by Angela Lee. When we last left our heroes, Captain Max Stone and his brother Billy had just navigated Hyperion's perilous asteroid field and battled their way into the fortified base of the villainous robot Destructobot. The dastardly robot's latest scheme is the deadliest yet. He intends to destroy the Earth using a high-powered Nega-bomb. Will Max stop Destructobot in time? Or will the Earth be vaporized? An explosion rocked the base, and the fortified door into the control room crumpled and fell inward. I've got you now, shouted Max, his laser pistol leveled at Destructobot. Put your hands in the air. You and your Nagabomb won't destroy the Earth today. You tell him, Max, cried Billy, coming up behind the captain with his hypersonic slingshot at the ready. I've got you in my sights, you bad old robot. Arf! arf. And there was Butch, the genetically engineered space dog. He wagged his tail, then bounded over Max's shoulder and dropped into a crouch in front of Destructobot with a menacing growl. "Oho!" boomed Destructobot, a manic grin stamped into his faceplate. The steel mustache attached to it twirled of its own accord. "'You think you have me now, do you? "'Well, not today, cur. "'You may have bested my guards and my traps.' But those were mere child's play. Now feel the power of my destructory. Destructobot reached to one side and pushed down a nearby lever with a malevolent laugh. A panel on the ceiling opened, and a menacing-looking gun lowered down through it and fired one, two, three times at the plucky trio, and then. Oh! Destructobot looked at the three piles of ash, all that was left of the valiant Captain Stone, his trusty sidekick Billy, and their dog. If he could have frowned, he would have, but he hadn't upgraded his faceplate to allow emotion. But that wasn't supposed to happen. They were supposed to jump out of the way. He turned and watched the bright red numbers that counted down, down to the end of the earth that floated in the view screen behind him. It wasn't supposed to work.
3: Many Mistakes All Out of Order by M.C. Wagner The first mistake was in our thinking they were ghosts. In our defense, the tradition of vanishing, translucent figures wailing in the night might have influenced us. So, yes, initially we thought the time-travelers were ghosts. It makes a kind of absurd sense. What eras would a benevolent time-traveler visit? Why, they'd aim for history's greatest disasters. The events where a word or two of caution would turn aside a ship sinking or a hotel fire. The more focused would aim for individual injustices, the more broadly-minded would try to clear out Pompeii. The mm, second mistake was doubtlessly highly technical. From what they've said, a theoretical breakthrough in the 67th century handed potential time travel to any determined enough amateur physicist. However, before it was tried by sanctioned researchers, the moralities and legalities were roadblocked for decades in governmental subcommittees. It was banned outright until they could resolve, incontrovertibly, whether or not it was a good idea. Meanwhile, thousands of hobbyists donned period costumes and leapt through their homemade gates to rescue the distant past. It didn't work. Turns out, time doesn't like being fucked with. They all arrived at their designated wens as screaming etheric echoes in Victorian dress. Moreover, it apparently hurt like hell, smearing their sanity across a couple dozen years. Most took more than five years to reconstitute, at which point they'd miss the whole reason for their trip. Completely insane, they'd end up floating around their landing point, wailing incoherently for two minutes about a disaster from years ago, and then dissolve out of the visible spectrum. Add sightings of these unfortunates to a community with an imagination, and you've got an age-old tradition of revenant specters. The third mistake was that we thought, eventually, they'd all just go away. No such luck. Whatever they're made of, it's effectively immortal, and after loitering about for a thousand years, many ghosts have regained their sanity and intelligence. Crazed new arrivals keep turning up, but many that set their sights furthest afield are now psychologically whole. Not that it does us any good. As historians, they're crap all focused monomaniacally on their target times, now long past. None have remembered a single avertible disaster approaching today in 3194. They all say the same thing. It wasn't a very interesting time. Maybe it's true, but I think they're holding out, and a lot more ghosts are showing up lately. The fourth mistake was in never considering that the ghosts might build another time machine. We can't stop them. It's built out of the same material they are, and we can't even touch it. They've carried it to the middle of the Sahara Desert and are set to turn it on tonight. Apparently, most are returning to the future to stop themselves leaving in the first place. I have no idea what's going to happen next, but I have a feeling it'll be terribly complicated. What worries me most is, if we know they aren't ghosts, why didn't they?
0: Mr. Omega by Arnold Gardner Mr. Omega checked the time on his trans-dimensional pocket watch and stared out the taxi's rain-pelted window. Four minutes to midnight. Four minutes to the culmination of his life's work. The cab driver of this dimension was far more accommodating than the others. He asked no questions when directed to the abandoned parking lot or when told to park the cab in the precise center of a geometric diagram. Mr. Omega had torn many worlds asunder, but this world's destruction would be especially satisfying. This was humanity's last refuge, the last place his nemesis could hide them. Mr. Alpha was as determined to save humanity as Mr. Omega was to destroy it but their ancient wager would soon be resolved. The solution was found in quantum physics. Each parallel dimension had a weak point in the continuum. Three quantum markers, a precise time, person, and place. When aligned, these markers imploded into a vortex that consumed all. The odds of all three markers coming together through happenstance were astronomical. But with a little help from Mr. Omega, 11 dimensions had collapsed, and the last would soon join them. Time and place were simple matters of calculation. The real challenge was finding the right person. At least, it had been the first time. Now that he knew that person to be one Cedric Wachowski, a cab driver living within 30 miles of the Quantum Fault, destroying the world was a simple matter of hailing the right cab at the right time, and telling him where to park. The first time he destroyed the world, he thought his wager had been won. But Mr. Alpha was a clever adversary. While Mr. Omega devised humanity's destruction, Mr. Alpha was seeding humanity across twelve parallel dimensions. When the rain stopped, Mr. Omega rolled down his window and squinted at the receding clouds. Something was wrong. He opened his door and stepped out onto the glistening pavement. The wind that should have torn the world to pieces became a gentle breeze. Mr. Omega checked his pocket watch. 12.01. Do you have the time? The driver glanced at his dash. I got 12.01. His mind raced, reviewing the calculations. All three markers were aligned. Person, place, time. Everything was the same, just as before. What's wrong, mister? Forget to adjust your watch? Mr. Omega stared at the driver with sudden intensity. What was that? You know, daylight savings. Don't feel bad happens to me all the time. I'd never remember if my wife didn't tell me. Sensing Mr. Wachowski lacked the eloquence to explain himself, Mr. Omega placed a hand on the driver's head and drew forth the required information. When he was finished, Mr. Wachowski slumped motionless onto the steering wheel, head smoking as the horn blared. Mr. Omega chuckled and stared at the night sky. (sighs) Daylight savings, he mused aloud. The other dimensions had subtle differences, but this was too devious to be coincidence. Well played, Mr. Alpha. (laughs) Well played.
1: And those were our stories. I hope you enjoyed them and I hope they inspired you to come lurk in our forums so that you can read all of the submissions to the next contest and more importantly, vote on them. You may have noticed that one of our honorable mentions, The Best Cover Band in the Universe by Andrew Fazzari, was absent, but stay tuned. I guarantee you will hear it in an upcoming episode. Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and brought to you under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. So you can't change or sell any of our episodes, but you can share them far and wide and bring folks our way for more of the same. Now, allow me to leave you with this thought appropriately from none other than Grandmaster Flash. All you have to know is mathematically how many times to scratch it and when to let it go.